Well, it's our honor today to have Andrew Stensis, our missionary. And so he's going to tell us about his transition, what God's doing in their lives. And um, he's going to preach the word for us. And uh, I, I'd like to say so much about it. Let me just say this. An amazing young man who has wisdom beyond his years, an amazing family, beautiful children, uh, a wife that has sacrificed so much on the mission field, just faithfully serving God. These are the kind of people that we want to be associated with, and I'm so thankful for them. I know that in a lot of different types of churches, people never really get to see a missionary. They never understand where their mission's money goes. That's not the way it is here. We want you to know who you are supporting and why it is uh, important for us to give to missions and what, what God will accomplish. So, Brother Andrew, come on up. We're really glad that you're here. Amen. Thank you, preacher. All right, it's good to be here this morning, <clears throat> and uh, I appreciate uh, Pastor Alter allowing us to come and uh, be with you this morning. And uh, before we get into the message, I, I do want to just to say thank you uh, to Grace Baptist Church uh, for supporting us as missionaries uh, in the country of Uganda, East Africa, for the past uh, several years. Uh, we appreciate all you've done for us. Uh, you know, missionaries cannot do the work that God's called them to do without churches like this supporting them and being able to help them to go. Uh, you know, I, I hear people all the time say, well, let the missionary get a job on the mission field. Well, we, we're not allowed to do that. Uh, and if, if there's no other way to support our families, then we're going to starve. <laughs> um, but churches like Grace Baptist Church and other churches that uh, support missions and have a heart for missions to see missionaries go and to, to preach the gospel, uh, it, it's just wonderful. And uh, the, the sad thing about it is today that you see a lot of churches, uh, maybe because of the economy and things like that, they're, they're reducing in their missions and they're, they're bringing missionaries back off the field and missionaries are quitting and giving up. But it's a blessing to see churches that have a heart for missions and that keep wanting to do more for the cause of Jesus Christ. And so that's a blessing. Uh, that's a blessing to see. Uh, but it is, we, we were missionaries in Uganda for uh, the past 11 years. And God has blessed the ministry so much. I was explaining some of that in, in uh, the, the adult and teen Sunday school this morning, and so I hope you were there for that. Um, but the Lord has kind of changed uh, our direction in ministry a little bit. Uh, well, not a little bit, a lot. Um, and uh, something that our family was not ever uh, really expecting, something that I never even uh, imagined in my life. Uh, I grew up as a missionary kid. Uh, my parents were missionaries, been missionaries all my life. Uh, and people say, well, poor you. No, 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 no. Don't feel sorry for a missionary kid. A uh, missionary kid has an opportunity that most uh, kids never have an opportunity to, to see. Uh, I mean, uh, my kids have seen part of the world that your, your kids can only dream about. Uh, our, our kids have been part of uh, ministries and things that most people in their lifetime can just say, wow, I wish I could do that someday. Uh, and, and we've had a part of doing that. Um, just right before we came back, we wanted our kids to have a, a, a good experience, and so we took them to... Uh, we took them to a game park uh, right right before we left. Uh, we wanted to, we wanted our kids to remember, and uh, we were I mean we're driving you know in this game park it's it's not like you go to a zoo, okay? I mean these are wild animals, okay? And uh, I'm we, we we pulled up around a corner and from about from where I am to Pastor Alter is were two lions sitting right there, a male and a female. I'm talking right there. Now my wife was a little bit worried. Because the vehicle that we had has a rack on top, and I was on top. And these two lions are sitting right over there. 
And, and I'm, uh, you know, I've got my camera up there. I'm like, man, this is great. You know, I'm videoing. And I can hear my wife down there, Andrew, get down. Andrew, get down. Get down. I'm thinking, I'm not moving, you know. <laughs> I'm staying right here. And we were, you know, a little bit later, we're driving down the road. And we had two vehicles, uh, my, my dad, my brothers. They're missionaries there also. So we had, a, we had kind of a family get together before we left. And we're all there in this game park together. And we're in one vehicle, and my brother's in another vehicle in front. And, uh, I, again, I'm on top, you know. I, I, want, I like to be able to see. And I'm on top, and I told my dad to stop. I said, hey, I think there's an elephant over here. And so he stops, and my brother stops just down the road a little bit. And sure enough, one of the biggest bull elephants I've ever seen in my life is right over here. And we're taking pictures and everything of it. And he's, I mean, he's no more than 50 feet away. Well, he starts walking. And he's walking, and he's walking. And all of a sudden, it was just like... I don't know if somebody taught him, you know, traffic laws or what, because we're on, we're on like a dirt road. My brother's up in front. We're back behind. And he just kind of slowly, gradually just kind of comes right into the road. You know, I don't know if he turned his blinker on or not, but he just comes right into the road, and he starts going down the road. And so my brother, he, he's going, and we're following him. So it's, it's my brother, a bull elephant, and us going right down the road together. I mean, we're just, we're just riding down the road. I mean, we're not going very fast, of course. But we're just going down the road, and, you know, this is great. You know, I'm still up on top and, you know, videoing and stuff. And my brother's up in front. He's waving back at us, and we're getting pictures and stuff. And well, all of a sudden, the elephant stopped. <clears throat> he decided to turn around and uh, come back in the opposite direction. So all of a sudden, I hear my dad say, oh, wow. So he stops. He puts it in reverse, and he, now we're going backwards down the road. <laughs> I'm still up on top taking pictures going backwards down the road here. And, uh, you know, my kids are down, you know, they're underneath with my wife. And, I mean, they're just having a blast. Um, now, you, you feel sorry for a missionary, for a missionary kid. You know, uh, God has been so good to us. And, uh, you know, not just in the ministry, but just with our family. And uh, we've just, we've enjoyed serving the Lord there in Uganda. But this past year, uh, I had a, my pastor called me and uh, asked me to pray about something that I never even considered. And uh, my pastor has been the pastor of First Baptist Church down in Eaton, Ohio, which is just about an hour away uh, off of I-70 there. And he, he asked me, he said, Andrew, I'd like for you to pray about coming back to America and becoming the next pastor of the church here. And I said, well, wow, that's, that's a great honor. Uh, you know, for a pastor to ask you to come and replace him after he's been there for 42 years, that is a tremendous honor. And uh, I, I said, wow, thank you. I appreciate that very much. But, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't think that that's, I don't think that's what God has for us. I mean, we're missionaries. And I'd grown up as a missionary and I uh, was a missionary now. And I just assumed that we'd be missionaries for the rest of our lives. And uh, I told him, I said, well, we'll pray about it. But, you know, my wife talked about it. We're like, well, I just don't, I just don't think this is going to happen. So we started praying about it. And the more we started praying about it and the more the, the, the kind of questions that we had, well, if we did, you know, what would happen to this and what would happen to that? And um, the more we started praying about it, the more the Lord really began to burden our heart and to lead us in that direction. And here we had just gotten back to the mission field. We've only been there for a few months now, and uh, we're looking at going back to America now and uh, becoming a pastor and what's going to happen to the church, what's going to happen to the radio station and, and things like this. And But... As the more we prayed about it, the more we just really began to feel peace that if God wanted us there, that God would take care of everything. Uh, because if that's where He wanted us, He would provide. 
And so we just, we just prayed about it, and we said, Lord, if that's what you want us to do, uh, we'll do it. And so, you know, we, we told my pastor, I said, if, if that's what the church would like us to do, we're willing to do it. We've prayed about it. We have peace about it. Uh, if not, we'll, we'll stay here and we'll just keep serving the Lord. And uh, unbeknownst to me was that the year previously, and, and not many people know about this, the year previously, when we were back in the States on furlough, we had a business meeting. And previously, it had been for a, a new pastor to become the pastor, was you had to get 75% of the vote. And they'd had several candidates come in, and nobody could get 75%. Well, during that year while we were back in the States, for some reason, my pastor decided to change it. Not lower, but higher. They changed it to 90% of the vote. And so after we told them, you know, we're, we're, we're free, if that's what God wants us to do, we're willing to do it, we started thinking, now wait a minute, nobody's been able to get 75%. How in the world are we going to get 90% of the vote? But, you know, we just said, if that's what God wants, we're, we're willing to do it. And, uh, and so we prayed about it, and the church was praying about it, and brought it before the church. And my pastor called us one day and said, well, the church voted, and you got 91% of the vote. <laughs> well, all right, Lord, I guess, I guess this is the direction you want us to go. And uh, so we, we were praying about it, and... Uh, the Lord just really worked even with our church. Uh, the, my assistant pastor, who is a national, his name is Busolo John, uh, one of our graduates from our Bible college there, uh, just a tremendous man, just loves the Lord, has a family, just desires to serve the Lord. And uh, we were already planning on him becoming the pastor, and so that went into effect back in August or September. He became the pastor, and uh, just the Lord just really began to use him as the pastor of the church. And uh, the radio station uh, that we were we started, we were just, you know, praying about it, you know, here Lord's provided all the money uh, for the radio station, even much of it from, from this church uh, that was provided for the radio station. Many people gave for, for, the, for that ministry. And now God's calling us to go back, and we're thinking, well, what, what do we do about the radio station? And uh, God gave us a, a, a man in the church uh, that was a graduate of one of the universities uh, in Uganda and a very intelligent, uh, intelligent man. And uh, just he began to work with me with the radio and uh, he became the station manager, and, and he's overseeing that now and doing a great job with it. And so the Lord just really began to work everything out, and it just became the perfect opportunity for us to be able to step out of the ministry in Uganda and turn it over to the nationals. And again, that's, that's what our goal is as missionaries. The goal of a missionary is to go and to start churches, to train nationals, and to turn it over to them so that they can continue the work without us. I mean, if we have to stay there the whole time and do the work, we're not doing the work of a missionary. The work of a missionary is to train those so that they can keep doing the work because you never know when you're going to have to leave. And it's a blessing to be able to see that God has used uh, Pastor John, uh, and using him greatly. Uh, God's using the radio station, uh, just miracle after miracle uh, that just came even with the radio station. Um, I know I, I, could, I could go on for hours and hours about, about the ministry there, uh, but we, we were looking at a piece of land. Even before we came back, we, we had bought a piece of land to put the radio station on. But we were going to have to build a tower and buy an antenna and all that kind of stuff. When we got back, we up on top of the mountain, uh, we, we found that there was a, an antenna that was already there, a, a tower, and there was one that was a smaller one that nothing was on it. There was no antenna on it. So we started talking to the people. We said, hey, who does this belong to? Maybe we could buy it from him or something like that. So we got in contact with this man. His name was Charles. And 
Charles should have been on a basketball team. He had to at least be seven feet tall. I, I mean, he was just huge, tall guy. His hands are massive. I mean, they make mine look like a midget's hands. I mean, but this guy is the owner of this radio station. He owns two radio stations. He owns a, a, a TV station. None of them Christian, but just these radio stations and TV stations. And so we went and talked with him, and we explained what we're doing. We're a Christian radio station. We're wanting to, you know, to put up a, a new radio station in Mbali. And uh, we would like to, to buy that smaller tower from him. He said, well, he said, I'm sorry. He said, we're, we've already had plans for that tower. We said, well, that's okay. That's no problem. We just thought we would ask. He said, but he said, why don't, you, why don't you just take some of my space on my tower? I think, man, this is going to cost us thousands of dollars. It's going to be impossible to do. So we asked him. We said, well, <clears throat> we really don't want to know, but just so we can know, how much is this going to cost? What's, what would you want us to pay rent? Do you want us to pay rent monthly? Do you want us to pay rent yearly? What, was, what is this going to cost? I mean, we were expecting probably $2,000 a month for this. He said, well, he said, if you can use the tower, if you can use the antenna, which the antenna was going to multiply our signal by 10, um, he said, if you can use all of those things for, for your radio station, he said, I know you're a Christian radio station. Um, he said, why don't you just use it for free? I said, excuse me? <laughs> I don't think I heard you correctly. I said, how much did you say? He said, no, we don't, we don't, want, you to, we don't want you to pay anything. Amen. And we walked out of his office praising the Lord. <laughs> I mean, this man could have charged us so much money, but yet he's offering it for free. He said, now, if you can help out with the electricity a little bit or maybe the gas for the backup generator, he said, that's fine. But he said, we won't even put a set amount on that, just whatever you can afford to help out. So we're almost a mile high with our radio station now. The radio station's in the town, but the antenna, the, the towers, almost a mile high. We are reaching so much farther than what we ever thought possible. And we are, we are hearing uh, people are calling in for the, for the radio station. We, we haven't even advertised it, but we have people calling in every day about the radio station. We've had several people already get saved because of the radio station. And it's only been up for maybe three or four months. It's only been on the air for about four months. And people are already getting saved from it. We had, uh, just, to, just to give you one quick testimony, and I know I, know I need to get in the message. Uh, um, one quick twist, testimony. We had a, uh, a professor of one of the universities there. It's called Uga UCC, Uganda Christian uh, University. It's a, supposedly a Christian university there. This professor called the radio station and said, hey, We've been listening to your radio station. We enjoy the programs, but I'd like to talk to somebody a little bit more about it. And so they made an appointment to set up with the pastor and came and talked. And uh, this lady had been a professor for, for probably 20 years and uh, began talking to, to my pastor about it and things, and uh, the lady got saved. And uh, here, this, this man, Pastor John, probably uh, didn't even finish high school, uh, but yet he's serving the Lord as a pastor this professor who's got who knows how many degrees comes, gets saved, and now Pastor John is discipling her and teaching her the Word of God. None of that could have been possible without that radio station. I mean, we're, we're getting into parts of Kenya that we never even thought possible. Uh, we're, we're reaching all the way down to the lake and even into the islands on, on Lake Victoria. Uh, it's just amazing. My, my, my station manager told me the other day, he said... We have a database right now. We've only been going for four months. A database of over 250 people 
that call at least twice a week. I mean, this isn't people that just call once, you know, once in a blue moon. These are people that faithfully call the radio station every week, at least twice, over 250 that call making comments about programs or, uh, you know, music or something like that. It's just unbelievable what God is doing uh, with this radio station. And uh, again, we, we couldn't have done it without churches like Grace Baptist Church uh, who gave and sacrificed to, to help us to buy that equipment and things. And, and it's still going, praise the Lord. And uh, we're excited to see what God's going to do with it. All of our ministries are now in the hands uh, of nationals. Uh, Pastor John's leading the church. Uh, he's over that ministry. Uh, Brother Michael, is he's the station manager of our radio station. And uh, I ask that you just keep praying for him. Uh, they, they need your prayers. Uh, it's definitely new for them, uh, but they need your prayers. Uh, but we're just excited to see what God's going to do with them. And, but again, none of that could have been done without churches financially supporting and praying for the ministries that we have there. And so I just want to say thank you uh, personally very much for all that you've done for missionaries. Yes, sir. Yeah, as I explained in, uh, in the Sunday school, uh, we've got over 50 different languages in uh, Uganda. Obviously, we're not reaching all of those languages, but we are reaching probably about, I'd say probably about 20 different language groups. Now, we cannot uh, broadcast in 20 different languages. There would just be no time. But we broadcast in three major languages, English, Luganda, and Swahili. Um, English, obviously, for those maybe who are educated, they've learned English. Uh, Luganda is one of the major uh, languages that a lot of people know around that area. It's a what they call a Bantu uh, language, and so many of the Bantu languages are very similar. They're able to understand it. And then also Swahili, because uh, most of East Africa does speak Swahili. Uh, again, we're getting into Kenya. Uh, many people in Uganda also speak Swahili. So we have to broadcast in three different languages, um, English, Swahili, and uh, Luganda. And then they also just told me that they're also bringing in a new language, for the, the local people there of Lugishu, uh, my pastor, the pastor there is uh, doing some preaching and things in the Lugishu language also. So now we're going to be having four uh, different languages uh, on the radio station right now. So that's, that's exciting. It's exciting to see what God's going to do. Amen. All right, let's open our Bibles to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. And again, I do appreciate Pastor Alter asking us to come, even though we're technically not missionaries anymore. Um, I mean, as far as being overseas, obviously everyone is, God wants everyone to be a missionary, whether you're in Africa or America. That's our responsibility is to tell people about Jesus Christ. Um, but I do appreciate Him allowing us to come and, and be with you this morning. And uh, I hope the message this morning will be a blessing to you. And I know many people are thinking, all right, Mark chapter 16, He's going to go to verse number 15. We all know that. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Actually, I'm not going to be preaching about that this morning. I may make reference to it, but that's not really what the, the main message is about this morning. Mark chapter 16. Chapter 16 is about the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I know it's not Easter, and so we're not really speaking about the resurrection either. But there's something in this passage that I believe is important for us to understand. And before we get into it, let me just ask a couple of questions how many of you believe that the Bible is the Word of God? You believe the Bible is the Word of God? All right. How many of you believe that God's Word never changes? Is that true? Amen? All right. How many of you believe that it is our responsibility, as it says in, in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, to go into all the world and preach the gospel? You believe that? Amen? Then my question is this. If we believe it, 
Why isn't it being done? Now, I'm not trying to be mean this morning. I'm just wanting to, I want you to get you to think this morning, if we really believe that this is what God wants us to do, why aren't we getting the job done? I mean, we're talking about, from what I, I can tell you in my experience, a country in Uganda about the size of Ohio, 36 million people. 36 million people. And we're lucky if we can get one Bible-believing church into one of the major towns. If you go just south of us in the country of Rwanda, Rwanda is the most densely populated country in Africa. Small country, but has 10 million people. One Baptist missionary. Now, I can mention country after country after country after country where we're talking about millions and millions and millions and millions of people. No churches. No missionaries. Why is that? I thought we said we believe the Word of God. We believe what God says is true. So then why isn't the job getting done? Well, I think... If we look at some of the things that happened in the New Testament, I think we can get maybe a little bit of an idea about what's happening today in our churches. Because there was something that took place even before the church began that could have caused a big problem with the, with the starting of the church. Okay? And I think it's something that may be taking place in our churches today that is causing us not to reach our full potential as churches and as Christians in the ministry that God has for us. I want you to notice in Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. And let's begin reading in verse number, uh, in verse number 7. He says, But go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him, as he said unto you. And they went out quickly and f- fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed Neither said anything to any man, for they were afraid. Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, He appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom He had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with Him as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that He was alive and had been seen of her... What are those next two words? Believe not. After that, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue, neither believed they them. Now notice in verse number 14. And afterward, he appeared unto the eleven. The eleven. These are the disciples. These are the apostles. As they sat at meat and upbraided them. That means he chewed them out. He rebuked them. Notice what he upbraided them for. Two things here. With their unbelief and hardness of heart. Why? Because they believed not them which had seen Him after He was risen. Let's pray. Father, we do thank You for Your Word. Lord, I pray that You would use this message this morning to speak to our hearts. Lord, may You give us a greater burden. Lord, to do more for the cause of Jesus Christ. Lord, not just overseas, but Lord, even right here in our own communities, individually, may we do more for the cause of Jesus Christ. May we truly understand your word and what you want us to do. Lord, just bless the service now. 
Use it for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You see, there's two things that the disciples had a hard time with. Two things that Jesus had to rebuke and upbraid them about was their unbelief and their hardness of heart. Now, think with me about this. Before the church even started, we've got a big problem here. I mean, the Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians that the church is built upon Jesus Christ being the cornerstone and the prophets and the apostles. The church was built upon the prophets and the apostles. Well, here we've got a problem. In verse number 14, the Bible says the apostles, these 11 apostles, did not believe. They didn't believe that Jesus Christ was risen. You see, without their belief in what Jesus Christ had said, without them believing that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead, there would be no day of Pentecost. There would be no church of Jerusalem. There would be no church of Antioch. There would be no missionaries sent from the church of Antioch into Asia Minor. There, none of this would have been happened, none of that would have happened unless the disciples believed. And here we have a serious problem. The church is already beginning in unbelief. The disciples are there in unbelief. And, and the two things I want us to look at this morning is unbelief and hardness of heart. Unbelief and hardness of heart. We say we believe, but you know what? The whole time that that Jesus was moving with the disciples, the whole time that the disciples were with Jesus, don't you think they said, we believe? Don't you think they said, we believe this is the Messiah? Don't you think they said, we believe in what He's saying? Don't you think they said, we believe in what He's doing? They said it. But now what's the problem? They don't believe. They don't believe. Now, if we look, I think there's, there's three areas that the disciples had a problem in unbelief. First of all, they had an unbelief in the Word of God. They had an unbelief in the Word of God. You see, these men were Jews. They knew the, the Jewish prophecies of the Messiah. They knew, obviously they didn't have the New Testament like what we have today, but they knew the Old Testament. They knew the prophecies of the Messiah. They knew what David said about the Messiah. They knew the prophecies that were, that were given about the Messiah. And that's why when Jesus came, they said, hey, wait a minute, we know what the prophecies say. This guy matches up with the prophecies. He's fulfilling the prophecies. This must be the Messiah. But now, they're in unbelief. You see, they did not have a belief in the Word of God. If we do not have a true belief in God's Word, it causes that unbelief in our heart because, yes, we say we believe it with our mouth, but in our heart... The belief really isn't there. You see, what was it that they didn't believe? Notice, you've got three different times someone comes and says, Jesus is risen. You say, well, what's the problem with that? They knew the prophecies. They had been with Jesus. Jesus had been speaking. He said, as Jonah was in the belly of the whale... Three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. Three days and three nights. I mean, look, look at the disciples. They were not looking for Jesus to come back. 
They did not expect Jesus to rise from the dead. Look at what they're doing in verse number 10. And she went and told them that had been with them as they, what? Mourned and wept. They were not looking for Jesus Christ to raise from the dead. They knew the word of God, but the problem was they didn't believe it. They heard Jesus speak. I mean, Jesus himself claimed to be God. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. But they didn't believe the word of God. They weren't waiting for him to rise. They're mourning. They're weeping. They're hiding. Could it be that maybe the problem is that in our Uh, society today, we say with our mouth that we believe the Word of God, but the reason that we're not reaching the world for Jesus Christ, the reason we're not reaching more people for Jesus Christ, is that we have a heart of unbelief. Yes, we say, yeah, I believe God says to go into all the world, but do we believe it? Do we believe it? You see, if they really believed the Word of God, you know where they would have been that third day? They would have been waiting at the tomb. If they really believed that Jesus was going to raise from the dead, as he said, they would have been out there waiting for him. But they didn't believe. They're hiding. They're weeping. They're mourning. They thought all hope was gone. Their lives were all messed up now because the man that they had put their trust in was now dead. Because they didn't believe. They had an unbelief. In the word of God. They had an unbelief in the promises of God. You see, over and over and over, Jesus made reference to his death. But you know, if you go back and look, Jesus never makes reference to his death without also talking about his resurrection. Why? Because without the resurrection, his death is useless. You have to have the resurrection for his death to be meaningful. And so he always speaks about the resurrection. That's why I said, just like Jonah, I'm going to die. But just like Jonah was vomited up out of, the, out of the belly of the fish, I'm going to raise again. Every time he speaks about his death, he's talking about his resurrection. The prophecies that, were, that talk about that he would not, uh, he would not be in the grave more than, than three days and three nights. Everything was there. They knew the promises of God. But did they believe it? Did they believe it? Jesus has been dead three days. Here comes Mary. I mean, look in verse verse number 9. Now, when Jesus was written the first day of the week, He appeared first unto Mary Magdalene, of whom He had cast out seven devils, and she went and told them that had been with Him as they mourned and wept. So here comes Mary. I mean, (coughs) Jesus has told them what's going to happen. Here comes Mary. Mary says, hey, guys, guess what? I just talked to Jesus. I just saw Jesus. He's alive. He's not dead. Did they believe her? Not at all. Mary, you just, you're hysterical. You're, you're, just, you're, you're, you're just mourning too much. You didn't really see him. Keep going. After he appeared in verse number 12, after that he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue, neither believed they them. Here, here again, two more people come. Hey guys, we've seen Jesus. He's alive. He isn't dead. Now it's interesting 
Because in the Jewish law, in order for something to be counted as true, there had to be two witnesses. There had to be two witnesses. That's why when they were uh, trying to accuse Jesus, it was so hard because they couldn't even get two witnesses to agree on the things that they were accusing Him of. But now you've got two witnesses that come, and even by their own law, they should have believed what these two people were saying. But here they come and they say, hey, we've seen Jesus. And they still don't believe. How many times have we experienced and have we seen the promises of God fulfilled? The promises of God fulfilled in our life. The promises of God fulfilled in other people's lives. And yet we still don't believe. Yet we still don't believe. Three different groups of people saw Jesus. They tell Him He's alive. And yet they still do not believe. You know, we have the promise of salvation. You don't have to doubt it. You don't have to doubt it. You don't have to worry about, you know, whether you can lose it or not. We have eternal security. We have a home in heaven. I mean, we have promise after promise after promise, provision and protection. All of these different promises that God has given us in His Word. We know they're there. But do we believe them? Do we believe them? You see, the disciples had a problem. They had an unbelief in the Word of God. They had an unbelief in the promises of God. God had promised them. But they didn't believe. How many promises do we read about in the Word of God, but yet we think, well, you know, that's... I know God said it, but I just... I don't think it's possible. I don't think it can really happen. Could it be that we don't believe as much as we say we believe? But I want you to notice, thirdly, not only did they have an unbelief in the Word of God and in the promises of God, but they had an unbelief in the power of God. And this is where I believe many times our biggest fault is. We don't understand how great our God is. We don't understand the power that God has. I mean, would you just think with me about this? The disciples, I mean, they saw that Jesus would take a, a blind man and spit in his eyes, and now he can see. I mean, Jesus saw them take a, a lame man that couldn't get to the pool to get in and be healed, and they saw Jesus say, hey, take up your bed and walk, and he gets up and walks. They saw Jesus take a, a young man that had been dead, his, his mother's only child, and who had died, and Jesus reaches up and touches him, and he gets up out of the coffin, rose from the dead. They saw Jesus who had been with Lazarus, who loved Lazarus, and now he's been dead for four days and calls out, Lazarus, come forth, and he comes out of the grave. They saw Jesus take five loaves of bread and two fish and feed over 10,000 people. Don't tell me they didn't see the power of God because they saw it. The problem was they didn't believe it. They saw the power of God over and over and over, but they would not believe it for themselves. You see, this was a problem that just was too big for God. When we have a problem that's too big for God, you don't have a very big God. You see, this was a problem that the disciples really believed that it was too big. Yes, we've seen Jesus raise someone else, but now He Himself is dead. God's power can't be strong enough to raise Him. We've got a big problem here. The one that we've been following is dead. Yes, people are telling us that He's risen, but no, that's not possible. That's not possible. 
It's impossible. Wait a minute. We serve a God of impossible. We serve a God that can do anything. A God that is not limited by our limitations. We, we fail to realize how great our God is. Listen, so many times we see the power of God. We see the promises of God. We see the Word of God, but we still don't believe. And as long as we fail to believe, as long as we continue in unbelief, we fail as Christians. We fail as a church. Listen, we must believe what God says. I mean, the power of God is great. I mean, you you look at what the Bible talks about. I mean, Romans 1.20 says that even creation reveals the power of God. If you look in 1 Corinthians 1.18, the Bible says that the Word of God reveals the power of God when we preach it to others. The Bible says the Word of God is the power of God. Now, if we really... Look look there in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Look at verse number 18. 1 Corinthians 1 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us, who is us? Who's us? The believers. The church. He's writing to the church. He says, But unto us which are saved, it is what? It's the power of God. You know how many Christians don't use the power of God? You know how many Christians don't use the power of God? I mean, God just said, this word is the power of God. Did you get your power this morning? Did you read the word of God this morning? Well, I I came to church. No, 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 no. The word of God is the power of God, not the church. The church is not the power of God. The Word of God is. And we have many Christians who are going through life just trusting in the church or trusting in the pastor or trusting in things. And God says, no, it's His Word that is the power of God. His Word is. Look, look, look quickly in 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We don't have time to read... All, all five of the verses, but he just talks about the last days. Okay? He's talking about what's taking place in the last days. And I'm sure you've gone through these verses before. But notice in verse number five. Notice what is it says. Having a form of godliness. But what? But denying the power thereof. From such turn away. God says, in the last days, there are going to be people that have the form of godliness. What is that? Religion. Religion. They have the form of godliness, but what's the problem? They deny the power of God. Yes, we believe in God, but you know what? Your problem's too big for God. Yeah, I believe in God, but you know, I just, I just don't believe that God can, God can meet my needs. I don't believe that God can fulfill what He said in my life. I don't believe that God can protect me. I don't believe that God can provide for me. What are we doing? We are denying the power of God. We limit the power of God in our unbelief. We limit what God can do through us and with us Because of our unbelief.
You know what we need? We need some Christians that will stand up and say, You know what? I may not understand it all, but I believe the Word of God. I may not see all the promises fulfilled, but I believe the promises of God are true. I may not be able to see the power of God as far as like in a miracle or something, but can I tell you, if you're saved this morning, you have experienced the greatest miracle that God can ever do in anyone's life, and that is salvation. There's no greater miracle that you can do. I've heard people say, well, if I could just see a miracle, I'd believe. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Look at all the people that saw the miracles and they didn't believe. Don't tell me you would believe because you wouldn't. Read John chapter 6, verse 66. The Bible says the multitudes, his disciples, turned away and didn't follow him anymore. They saw the miracles. They ate the food that he provided for them. They didn't believe. Do we believe? Or is it just something we say with our mouth? Do we really believe or is it just something that we'll come to church on Sunday and we'll have the form of godliness, but in actuality we deny the power of God? You know, the Bible says they had a hard heart also. We must be very careful that we don't allow our hearts to become hard through unbelief. You see, the more unbelief that we have, the harder that our hearts become. And the harder that our hearts become, the less God is able to do through us. That's right. You know what? This is a hard piece of wood. But because this wood is not completely solid, it can be shaped, can be molded. But there are certain things that they become so hard, you cannot shape them. You cannot mold them. You can't do anything with them. And much to our shame, we have a lot of Christians who have gotten so hard that God can't do anything with them. God can't shape them. God can't mold them because we just don't believe anymore. We've heard it. We come to church every Sunday. We hear it preached Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. But we just don't believe. Why is it that a lot of our youth are leaving the church as soon as they graduate from high school. Why is that? Because they don't believe. Why? Maybe because they don't see that belief in the adults. Maybe they don't see it's real to those who are more mature than they are. And if they think if it's not real to them, why should it be real to me? If they don't believe, why should I believe? Hey, you can't expect these young people to do something if you're not willing to do it. Do you believe? Not just with your mouth. You see, that's why Jesus had to come and rebuke them. He had to upbraid them. Because the church could not be started in unbelief. And that's why when you go back, and we don't have time to go through the rest of the passage together, but if you go back, He tells them, and back in Mark, He tells them, if you believe, not, not believe in salvation... Now, He does tell them to go into all the world, preach the gospel. Those that believe for salvation, they're to be baptized. And people get this passage confused, and it's not really confusing at all. If you understand what Jesus is speaking to them about, their unbelief. He says now in verse number 17, These signs shall follow them that believe. Not the people that get saved. He's talking to the disciples. 
He says, hey, if you believe what I'm telling you, if you believe the Word of God, if you believe the promises of God, if you believe in the power of God, look what I can do with you. What does he say? He says, you'll take up serpents, you'll cast out devils, you'll speak with new tongues, drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt them, lay hands on the sick, you'll recover. Look, the only way that they could be used by God was if they believed. Now, I'm not saying you're going to have these five powers because you're not. That was only for the disciples. But I'm saying if you'll believe, just watch and see what God will do with you. If you believe, watch and see what God can do through you. Look down at verse number 20. And they went forth. Why did they go forth? Because they believed. You see, you can't go until you believe. Jesus didn't tell them to go until they first were kind of got that unbelief problem solved. Now he says, I want you to go. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. When they believed what God said and they went out and did it, guess what? God's power was with them. The power of God was with them. And they went forth and God worked through them. God did signs and miracles. And Peter, having not one miracle being done, stood up and preached and 3,000 people got saved. Amen. But you know what it took? Belief. Belief. Do you believe? Do you really believe? Or have our hearts become so hard in unbelief towards the things of God? We come to church. We put on a show. We put on religion. We put on a form of godliness. But in essence, we deny the power of God. If you've never believed in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that's the most important thing you need to do. Nothing greater than that. But if you're saved this morning, you know you're saved, you're a Christian. Do you believe? Not just with your mouth, but are you willing to believe in the Word of God, the promises of God, the power of God, and watch and see what God will do? He promised. He's all-powerful. There's nothing that He cannot do if we'll simply believe. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask the pastor to come. But would you just think about this this morning? You see, before, before we can ever please God with what we do, that belief must be in our hearts. You know, before we're able to do what God wants us to do, whether it's going and telling people about Jesus Christ or Maybe it's giving so that missionaries can go or whatever God has for us. It has to start with belief. If our hearts are hard, we don't really believe it. We're going to fail. We're going to fail. God doesn't want us to fail. God wants us to know that He's real. God wants us to know that He's powerful and that He can do anything will just simply believe Him.